You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. On a show that's a tailor-made for you, the people find it. And alhamdulillah, uh, we join once again uh, by a popular guest on uh, the show, our very own uh, uh, attorney, Hafiz uh, Muhammad Kuvadia. And alhamdulillah, someone that resonates uh, positively on this uh, platform. And Allah bless him for making himself available with topics uh, that are, you know, really uh, very, very beneficial to the ummah. And inshallah, this evening, uh, our attorney, Hafiz Muhammad Kuvadia, will be discussing uh, making money from properties. Yeah, I know many people do that. And some of them have become millennials. Some have become billionaires. Uh, but inshallah, we'll be getting to that. Uh, let me welcome uh, Hafiz uh, attorney. Muhammad Kuvadia and the sagacious and the pious listeners of uh, Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, with a hearty Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. And tell me, Muhammad, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa Alaikum Salam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. I'm doing well and with a glorious, wonderful welcome that I'm receiving from the warm KZN region. Jazakallah khair. It's such a pleasure and such an honor to be with you this beautiful evening. And alhamdulillah, a topic with a difference, legally speaking, and we've managed to slot in something that may appeal to just about anybody. How's that for the Shafu? Yeah, I tell you, absolutely, especially those youngsters that think, hey, how do I make a quick buck and what should I do? And I know today people charge you for every advice they give you. Yeah, oh, you know what, I'm expensive, eh? This is my fees and, you know, that. Things that before when we went to the library and opened up the encyclopedia, how to do, what not to do, how to do bookkeeping, how to do beekeeping, how to do this, that, that. All we learned from the library books, how to play tennis. I didn't go to a tennis coach. I went straight to the library and I looked at all the techniques, what I should need to do what I need, must do and how I must train. And I went to the tennis court. I played my tennis. Uh, the same uh, with the uh, cricket. I read it in the manuals. I did it. I didn't go and pay a coach uh, exorbitant or uh, tuition fees and this fees. We did everything our way. I know Muhammad uh, did that too because that's why he's such a genius and he's so magnanimous and he does dawah also. Muhammad, before we get in our topic, uh, you know, you've been to Turkey and uh, the devastation that's taking place now. And, uh, uh, you know, quickly share your thoughts or uh, uh, you know, on, on Turkey and what's going through your mind uh, presently, Mohammed? Gee, are you touching on a very sensitive topic? You know, the, the issue is very close to heart for all Muslims around the world because we're seeing our Muslim brothers that have suffered and have went through a terrible trial. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed something that nobody wants to go through and nobody wants to face. When we look at just the sheer devastation in that part of the world, our heart bleeds for Syria, our heart bleeds for Turkey. So we make dua that whoever has passed and Allah grant them genital fidows, give them the death of a martyr. For those people that have been injured, that are hurt, Allah give them a speedy and a successful recovery for those people that have lost loved ones you know our du'as are that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes their pain easy elevates them because of the trials and tribulations that they're all facing and for us who are not maybe directly affected we should constantly making du'a we should alhamdulillah we have many organizations that are now on a drive and a campaign whatever donation whatever assistance South Africans and South Africans have always been charitable and magnanimous. South Africans have always made overtures, no matter which part of the world it is. And I think once again, it's shining through the example of charity and the uh, example of how our assistance can make a difference 
in the hearts and the lives of those people in another in another part of the world. So yes, you know, it is it is something that is near and dear to everybody in the world, and more especially to us because we know that it is our Muslim brothers that are going through this torment. You know, Allah has decreed something, and we accept it, no matter. What it is, part of the uh, of being a Muslim, is that we will be tested in many ways. Loss of life, loss of property, loss of wealth. All these things are part and parcel of the life of a believer. Even in the time of the, uh, uh, the Salaf, in the early Muslims, these types of trials and tribulations, earthquakes uh, took place. And, you know, they, they, they found, we found that they were patient, they were perseverant, they, 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 they made sure that they turn back to Allah. That is that is the primary in any test and any fitna. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to see this person making a tavis? Are you going to see this auntie? Are you going to go to this dead person? How are you going to react? Is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is checking, is noting. And if we, 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 we try our best to do whatever we can to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Firstly, first and foremost, not to say that we can't ask another human being for assistance and help. But firstly, we know that even the help that comes in through a third party is only through the blessings, the permission, and, uh, and, and uh, um, what Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. So yes, yes, once again, you know, we make dua. Once again, that the plight can be lessened, can the plight can be reduced, and everybody, anybody that's that's involved in this, Allah reward them, increase their daraja, give them jazai khair, and make it a means for us to reach a higher stage in Jannah. Amin. Amin, Muhammad, and Allah make it easy for our brothers and sisters that are being challenged. And you know, looking at the the satirical French magazine Charlie Hebdo. Uh, has uh, sparked outrage and uh, many shocked uh, reactions on social media for publishing a cartoon uh, that mocked Turkey after it was hit by a deadly earthquake that resulted in the death of over 3,400. I mean, that the figures have uh, trebled now, I believe. And uh, this, uh, you know, Charlie Hebdo, that uh, uh, shameless uh, French magazine, uh, drew pictures of Nabi Azallah, and now they say, now we don't even need to send tanks. I mean, how can you talk like that? Because uh, many say uh, of the opinion, and uh, there's a quite, uh, considerably uh, a growing number, they say that uh, they're using uh, this uh, techno- uh, tectonic uh, plate, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, method of uh, warfare, where they target the uh, plates of the earth and, uh, you know, uh, create earthquakes and so forth. And uh, they say even the tsunami, well, the tectonic uh, plates were targeted by the, this group, you know who I'm talking about, to create the tsunami and so forth. If that is it, prime evil is at work. But uh, there's a magazine that writes and says, now we don't have to send tanks anymore. I mean, how insensitive. You know, the world is so badly pol- polarized that anything that, uh, especially the West, what whenever anything happens to the Muslim world, I mean, they are so de sensitized and insensitive, uh, Muhammad. Why is this so? No, we never expected. Uh, remember something, Shafat. When a person has absolutely no consideration who Allah is in their life, then even the consideration for the fellow human being goes out of the window. If a person cannot thank that creator, 
that made you, that created you, that sustains you continually every day, 24 hours a day, how many minutes in a day, how many seconds in a day, every breath that they take, every time you, you're blinking in your eye, it's only because of the permission of Allah. These people cannot pay gratitude, cannot pay homage, cannot pay respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as their creator. Then what do we expect of them towards the makhluk? How much respect will they have towards the suffering, the pain, the challenges of anybody else. This Charlie Hebdo many years ago has shown themselves out to be the greatest of munafiks. And because they, that's because of the nature of the actions, Allah will hold them definitely, most definitely hold them accountable on the day of silent when it comes to issues that have they absolutely they have absolutely no business to indulge in so yes this will be the ways of the kuffar this will be the ways that we have to come to understand you know we know at the end of the day as muslims we have full yakin and full tawakkal that even allah tells us in the quran that it is an old person will die except with the permission of Allah. So no matter what happens, what they do, Allah has decreed our death at a particular time. You do not know how long you will live. You do not know where you will die. You do not know in what condition. You do not know in what condition you will die. These circumstances around your death as much as you want to plan, at the end of the day, Allah knows best. Without a doubt, without a shred of doubt, we know that where he knows that where you are going to die and where I'm going to die, when every creature is going to die. So nothing is going to happen except by the permission of Allah. Nothing will befall you except that Allah has already decreed this 50,000 years before the creation of heaven and earth. All these things have already been decreed perfectly in a book that has that is complete by its very nature. So us as Muslims, if we rely, if we have the yaqeen, if we have the tawakkul in one Allah, and knowing that nothing that they can do will harm us except with the permission of Allah. And this is only, this is, should be our only methodology. Our only belief system is that we place our yaqeen in Allah. So no help will come except with the permission of Allah. No hurt will come except by the permission of Allah. Knowing full well, it is easier for us to accept our fate. It is easier for us to accept the fact that these things are going to happen and they will continue to happen because Allah has decreed it for us. Allah tells us in Surah An-Kabud verse 2, Just because you say, I believe, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, is that going to be your passport away from your trials and tribulations? Actually, it's the opposite. Allah has tested previous nations. He has put trials and tribulations in front of all of them. And more so in front of the Ambiya. More so in front of those people that were the awliya. More so in front of the people whose daraja and their status were the highest. So, when Allah tests you, then it's going to be a test where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to increase his favor upon you. Allah wants to increase your daraja in the year after. Allah wants to show off to his makhluk to say that this is my banda, no matter what the circumstances are. We read in the Bible, we read in the Quran, the story of Yunus, um, uh, sorry, of, uh, uh, sorry, Ayyub alayhi salam, Job, and his trials and his tribulations that he went through, that Shaitan had actually created the situation where he challenged Allah to say, this is the nature of how your banda is because you have given him all the favors. And Allah stopped all those favors away from him, one by one, not an ordinary person. 
not an ordinary community member. This was amongst the best of the Ambiya. Allah chose him and Allah tested him and Allah he passed with flying colors and his status and his daraja. And this is how we understand our life to be. That if everything is smooth sailing, then maybe you should ask yourself, Am I, am I, am I, am I, you know, what, what is my position? What is, why is everything going so smoothly? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, in uh, Surah Mulk in Tabarak, uh, uh, that it is Allah that has created death. It is Allah that has created life to see which of you are best in deeds. Death and life and the challenges that go together with it is only for, uh, for Allah to judge us as believers to suft us, to take it, uh, remove the shaf and remove uh, the, the, the bad elements and say this is a true banda because he passed. So are we believers? Are we mu'mins? Are we just Muslims? Are we just on the fence? Are we out of the fall of Islam? These are the elements that will come out. How you respond to a fate and a bala or a test and a fitna from Allah is, 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 is actually your results and your report card about how you've how you survived yes sir muhammad you're on the roll yeah and uh, you know once you talk about uh, I'm, I'm just uh, looking at a uh, uh, article by muazzam Beg. i'll just uh, read a part of it to you it says uh, he's talking about uh, musharraf uh, you know the man that had him uh, incarcerated and who sold him to the americans he says the man who had me abducted from pakistan in front of my kids in 2002 and boasted about getting millions in a cii bounty cash he earned uh, selling hundreds of Muslims uh, to be held without charge and tortured in Guantanamo and secret prisons uh, there, uh, where people died, uh, innocent people died. He sold his own citizens, uh, some of whom are still in Guantanamo. He sold Afia Siddiqui, who remains imprisoned in USA. He allowed Pakistani soil and airspace uh, for use by the USA to bomb Afghanistan. He launched a war that has uh, not ended uh, with the uh, the northern tribes, and it goes on and on, and in the end it says, Parvez Musharraf's about to encounter his own divine rendition, uh, flight to infinite justice, from which there is no hiding or escape ever. And this is uh, the fact, uh, Muhammad, you know, George Bush, the Tony Blairs, and all these uh, people, and uh, Barack Obama have literally got away with murder, feeling very smug about themselves, and they're still perpetrating these regimes that still perpetrate these heinous crimes and still acting so smug and uh, the cardboard gangsters of this world. But the ultimate justice is that justice that we've seen the courts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will take on the place in the day of uh, judgment. You being an attorney, and you know how easily it is uh, if you got the bucks, you can get the best uh, attorneys, you can get the best uh, advocates, and you can go. And win your cases, because you got the fulus. But the real case awaits everyone, uh, Muhammad. Gee, you know, um, we, 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 like they say, we pawns in this whole drama that is happening all around us. Some things are within our control and some things are without our control. And this post that you read, I also came across this. And you see that these people were people that were placed in authority. How much more responsible were they not supposed to be? How much more responsible when Umar came to Jerusalem and you looked at the humility that the Khalifa al-Ulama, the Khalifa al-Mu'mineen, the Khalifa and the leader of the believers, leading from what? Leading from the west of Africa, Morocco to Baghdad. This was what the Muslim empire had already reached. 
Look at the humility. Look at the integrity. Look at the honesty and look at the justice. When he walks into Jerusalem, his slave is the one that's walking on a, um, uh, that's riding on a mule. And he's the one that's walking. The Amirul Mu'minin and the slave. And he walks into, um, into Jerusalem in this condition. What would my and your condition be? No, let's go get a new outfit. Let's get a new suit. Let's go have a drum and let's go look nice. Let's go look thick. But yet when we look at the lifestyles of the people who were the true leaders, they led with, uh, with, with the greatest amount of respect. They were the people that the people would take their lives, would shed their lives for the Khalifa. And this unfortunately dwindled away very shortly after uh, the, the, the Khalifat that you found that we had already succumbed to bad leaders and hypocrite leaders and munafic leaders and those people that were in control that had very little or no Islam in our lives. And let's be honest, even if we come into India, these moguls that came, some of them were the worst and the most atrocious of people. Some of them committed the worst crimes crimes of shirk they committed and they were the leaders leading over the muslims and unfortunately this is the condition that islam in the history has been peppered with many many unfortunate irresponsible munafic critical hypocritical leaders that we have to, we have tolerated and like i said Unfortunately, Allah does not place a burden on a person more than he can bear. So this is all within what we can bear. And this is some of the things are within our control and some of the things are absolutely outside our control. Once again, in the history, these things are going to be, our progeny is going to be, be reading these things and they're going to be judging these leaders and the community that we're living in for some of the treachery that was committed against the Muslims. You know, Muhammad, what I can tell you that Allah from millions and millions of people, millions, maybe billions too, has chosen you and I to be on this platform for a very important reason and be documenting ourselves in history and alhamdulillah, hope and pray Insha'Allah that we're giving a powerful information, information that uh, both uh, Muhammad and I, through our tapestry in life, uh, through our experience in life, uh, we are sharing a little bit of our hikmah and uh, the uh, knowledge that we have garnered. And Alhamdulillah, Muhammad, as I said, uh, you are firing in all cylinders uh, this evening. And there were you, you and I fire. We can go on this topic for the whole show, but we know we have a topic uh, for the listeners uh, this evening and inshallah uh, we're going to share it uh, with them with all the expertise that you have and the topic uh, we're discussing making money from property let's go for it uh, Muhammad how do you introduce how would you intro- introduce it Gee, no no Jazakallah for the opportunity and I think listeners out there have waited long enough <laughs> for this topic to come on for many years of us having a discussion. I think finally people are going to say, Alhamdulillah, now finally something that I can, I can, I can line uh, or, or I can fill my pockets with. Alhamdulillah, no. Nonetheless, I think that we, that one, one of the fields or one of the careers a person could go to, and we touched on this on the last episode, and I think maybe I've received a few queries from people to say, can you elaborate further on how is it that you flip, flip properties, you know, so I thought maybe it's a good opportunity for us to have this discussion this evening. So these are very real career, and there are people that we meet and we know that so livelihood is based on buying and selling and investing in properties. And alhamdulillah, we found. And what I like about property, Shabbat, and you know, you, you being seasoned now, having purchased a few properties, you will know and understand 
that the values of property is constantly going up. So because it's a brick and mortar investment, you'll find you don't have to wake up every morning and open up the newspaper or go onto your stock market watch profile and go and see what the value of your shares are and what they're trading and what happened in New York in the stock exchange and what happened in the FTSE stock exchange. The nature of property is that it's a slow and steady investment. So the advantage of investing in a property is that one is that you could live in the property. If you buy shares in a stock exchange, even if you buy shares in your local supermarket, it doesn't mean that when you go into the supermarket, you'll be able to get and qualify for 10% discounts because you're a shareholder in the company and you directly and indirectly appointed certain people there and they work for you. It's not, it's not the nature of those investments. A housing investment has got an investment in itself and it's got a function is that you are able to use the benefit of the house and that is something you yourself could use and save and avoid paying rental to another landlord. Alternatively, you could rent it out and that would be an income stream. And it's called a passive income stream because why? You don't have to get up every morning after Fajr run, drive to your car, to your place of work and spend the whole day there and run around, phone around for orders, make sure customers' deliveries, customers are satisfied and deliveries are sent out. This is the nature of the housing property market. You buy one property, you, you receive a bit of dividends and yield, you build up a little nest egg, you could buy in the second and third and little property and that's how people's property portfolios has evolved and grown over the years. And we know our dadas, when they came to South Africa, one of the first things they did is they used to buy land, they used to establish a masjid and a madrasa, buy another piece of land, they used to build a shop there in on that land, they used to build a house on top of the shop. That used to be the culture of the people I noticed going back two and three generations. They used to live above the shop and that way they had access to their business practically 24 hours a day. And this was how they understood as a way to continue to generate wealth that those properties are going to be an income-earning activity, or at the very least, if it's not an income-earning activity, it saves you the monthly expenses of having to pay rent, which is an income in itself. If you save money, a penny saved is a penny earned. So if you're going to save money by paying rent, you've actually earned that money for yourself. So this was generational rent that was passed down then, maybe to the latter generation, and then from there, some of us have been fortunate enough to have inherited maybe certain properties, be that as it may. What I'm saying is over the generations, people have seen property as being a solid investment, something that, you know, is, first of all, it's something that you're going to use and benefit. It is your safety. It's your safety net. If you're going to be renting all your life, when it may be that one day when you walk into your shop, one day when you wake up, you find your landlord standing, uh, uh, standing in front of you and saying, Shabbat, You've rented for me for the last 30 years, but unfortunately, my children have got other plans and we want to demolish this building and we want to put up a skyscraper and a high rise. And unfortunately, you're not welcome on this property after the end of the month. We see it happen. What loyalty would there be then for your 30 years of service, of your 30 years of, um, of, of support? So this is something that over the years and and another thing i need to say i mean because we see it every day we are seeing properties that are in india that people have left there for 100 years and those properties today are worth millions of rands in gujarat especially the property values have escalated and gone through the roof the amount of development it's happened in gujarat 
I know and I've seen and I've experienced and I know and, and, I, and I continue to see that a lot of families have finally are finally cashing in and they are now benefiting from something that the grandfathers, great-grandfathers and great-grandfathers have invested in many years ago. Yes, so as a whole, properties are good investments. Some tips we can discuss this evening, how to go about and avoid the pitfalls when it comes to property investing. Muhammad, you make that very interesting, you know, talk about uh, because in my town I got uh, 99% of my neighbors and my friends are all Gujarati speaking, the Salajis, uh, and you get the Badats and the Pariks and all. Kemcha, Haruche, Thamakem, Gamka Che, Natakya Che. So I say Gamka Che. So now they're talking about the Gam. They're making money out of the Gam because the, most of them are from Gujarat. And uh, you do a lot of conveyancing uh, for, for, for that part of the world. And it's amazing uh, that. Uh, uh, but the, the 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 bottom line is that they do have their title deeds with them because uh, there are certain people that have spoken to me said you know Shafat I come this part of India but I heard that my uh, uh, my ancestors there uh, were very uh, well to do and I believe that uh, they left a piece of land and I don't know how I need to go there and find out what's there and uh, I don't know whether I'll get my share and how do I uh, prove I mean I think you the go-to man uh, Mohammed your thoughts. Gee, so the registry system in India is a it's a it's 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 a very unique system in the sense that I feel in some ways they're even more advanced than us. So they are very electronic. It's a pity you see for us as Gujaratis who don't read Gujarati, we're unable to log into the system. They have an, an application app that you download, and you can actually it's called the Sadbara Seven Eleven. Like how we would have now, for example, a title deed registry system. Mm. They would have that system. And if you have some information, you're able to pick up what properties belong to whom in India. So you generally, we know in South Africa uh, that the vast majority of people do come from Gujarat. As a result of which now they left many properties in Gujarat because the, f- the forefathers that came earlier had... Um, had intentions at least to keep those properties. The culture of Indians is not to sell property. If we are not in a corner, it's not really uh, something that we should be considering. Uh, it's something that we should be we, we consider. We ourselves love to keep, like I say, for generations. Our children, Vaparwa, they will use these properties. They, if they need to sell it, let them sell it. Also, we find that the culture is amongst, and I find especially amongst our people, people want to create their provisions even in their will to say that I'd like my children to inherit this property, but this house should never be sold because I believe that it's a family home. Anytime anybody is in trouble, they must be able to move in uh, whatever Allah has chosen. And, you know, sometimes it may be that their life becomes a bit more difficult and they may have to sell their home or move out or whatever the situation is. They need to remember. So, yes, the culture of us retaining investments and these properties over the years can be seen. Although now I tell the new generation, I say, don't just necessarily fly to India. Try to employ the services first of somebody in Gujarat, somebody that's in the area. Find out who is. Give him a mandate to do your homework for you. Give him a mandate to go and find out who, uh, what properties are there that belongs to my family, in whose names is it. So sometimes these properties are in the name of grandfathers, great-grandfathers. A whole lot of paperwork needs to be processed. You need to supply death certificates. You need to supply a family tree. You need to supply powers of attorneys. You need to supply certified copies of 
ID documents, passports, or death certificates, birth certificates, so that they can create the picture of exactly who are the eventual owners of this property. Yes. So after that, before the property is to be sold, then I'll say, Shabbat, spend 20,000 rand, jump onto a plane, land in Surat, go to Ahmedabad, go to wherever that your gum is, and go see the property, and make some inquiries with the local estate agents. What is the value of properties? This acre or this venga, this property, how, what do you estimate this property values to be? And then from there, then you need to consider selling it. I say sell the properties when I'm asked, should we keep the properties in here or sell the properties? My advice to them is if you have absolutely really nobody that's benefiting from that property, sell that property. But if there's a family member that's living in the property, if there's a masjid that they uses it to park their motorbikes or just to for Eidgar or something, something of that nature, or, you know, if it's service to the community, then consider not selling it. But other than that, you know, sell it for a couple of reasons. One is, I don't think any South Africans, any of us South Africans are going to go back to India. One. Um, uh, Muhammad, once you say that, and uh, I, I, just the other day, a brother was talking to me, and he said, that, you know what, and there's always this story about uh, the, uh, you know, the eldest brother, my father's eldest brother did this, and he did that, and, you know, we got properties in India, and, you know, no one's uh, getting shares out of it, he did my mother down, and he did so forth down, and our mom's jewelry, he took it all, and he didn't tell the other siblings, and uh, stories like that. Do you get stories like that? Because, you know, you're dealing with the uh, families. Are, uh, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's so much of squabbles and family ties are broken over, uh, you know, crying over mom's or dad's gold and dad's property and dad's this and that and that. And the sibling, uh, siblings are don't see eye to eye, Mohammed. Of course, Shabbat. You know what? It's unbelievable. Those stories, how often we hear. How often we hear... Maybe at, at, at some level, it's not the immediate family in South Africa, but the family in India being the extended family. You know what my cousin did? My cousin forged the documentation. How did he forge his documentation? I've seen physical documents where signatures were forged. I've seen documents where attorneys in South Africa's, you know, the signatures were forged. I've seen documents, you won't believe the amount, how, you know, I, I say talented, but not in a way to impress you. Talented in the sense that they are so cunning, they are so conniving, that they're able to work through the documentation in India without you even knowing that the property was stolen from underneath your noses. So yes, yes, yes. Unfortunately, see, we have this culture that the eldest family member has the honor and the respect of dealing with a lot of things. This is a cultural thing, and not only in our community, in the black community as well. You know, the eldest son will now take uh, charge of the family affairs, and he will now attend to the funeral rites, and, you know, he will sing, and he will dance, and he will do this, and he will do Similarly, in our community, and nothing wrong with that. I think out of respect to the elderly, elderly family members, eldest siblings, they take control, and, you know, so... As Muslims, we should know that it, it would be oppressive for you to steal the rights or the inheritance of anybody, for you to delay even the payments out to beneficiaries. Sometimes the executive is in a position to wind an estate up in three months or six months, and he delays two and three years because he's not being responsible enough to deal with things, or he just goes a lackadaisical approach, or he just wants to delay things for the sake of delaying things. Yes, 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 all these things, and you're quite right. Unfortunately, we see these situations where family members in India have been looking after properties, 
unfortunately they seem to have now uh, uh, they 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 uh, they seem to have you know usurped the properties from the rightful owners and they then have sometimes gone on to even sell it and make a fortune out of properties that didn't belong to them but fire in their bellies at the end of the day it's fire in their bellies they've stolen the family the rights that belong to other people Ah, Muhammad, you know, mashallah, and I bless you for that, uh, for having that experience and bringing it uh, alive. And I'll be talking uh, people issue here also. Well, uh, let's get back to our property, uh, you know, market. You are talking about, uh, you know, investing about buying a property and, you know, letting it uh, out. But, you know, to buy, to let is the bread and butter of uh, property investment, uh, Muhammad. Gee, so we've also at the same time, I must be honest with you, when I started in properties maybe 30 years ago, I noticed an evolution and a change in the mentality of properties and property investing and how your mindset needs to change. What we did 30 years ago, we may or may not be able to do it now. What people do now, we may not have been able to do 30 years ago. For example, 30 years ago, electricity and load shedding and all these issues were never a problem. So renting a property was much easier also. People were encouraged to open up businesses. People were encouraged to get involved in business because this was something we were taught this was our culture of our people go out let's open up a bakery let's open up a cafe on the side let's let's do a small supermarket let's let's open up a huge supermarket culture of our people huge huge businesses were trading in the in in the in the Durban area for example and the buildings were on a high people were encouraged to buy buildings because tenancy was high rates and taxes which is today to be to be a killer it is one of the most expensive times that we've seen when it came to rates and taxes even i get clients who phone me from Durban and say what assistance and advice can you give us because we've seen rates and taxes spiral over the years where we used to pay negligible amounts 20 and 30 years ago today our incomes are basically being swallowed up by the municipal charges, the water and electricity. We don't even get electricity, but look at my electricity bill every month, 10,000 and 20,000 and for electricity. I'm running a small business. I don't even, I hardly have a geezer, and this is the reality. So I'm saying the dynamics of properties have shifted over the years. With that in mind, it is always important before you get involved in any investment, sit down and understand. And who are the people that will advise you about the types of investments, the opportunities to invest. Not that there isn't money, not that there isn't opportunities. Today we have what's called a buyer's market. The buyer's market means that it's a field day for buyers. You as a buyer, if you see a property that's for sale for 10 million rand, you could very well even put in an offer for 5 million rand and the seller is willing to consider your bid seriously. This is the reality of the time and the uh, times that we are living in. You know, in the early days, people yearned People wished, people dreamt of having property portfolios because those were the true wealthy people in the community. These were the people that you could say are, are truly wealthy. Today, it's not necessarily you could own a shopping mall. It's not necessary that you'll be making money out of the shopping mall that you own. A person having a small little corner property with a couple of flats is probably well better off financially than a person that owns a big shopping center because every month the shopping center could be draining you. So yes, there are some rules, you know, some some advice that we could share with potential property investors, especially the youth coming out now. 
we noticed from the elderly generation, they were more gutsy. They had more guts. They used to take the necessary advice and they used to uh, speak to people and buy properties. Now the youth of today, many of them shy away from properties and I don't blame them, quite rightfully so. If you don't understand the nature of the game, stay away, stay out of the kitchen because you know you may just get burned. Well, Mohammed, uh, I mean, I'm looking at my family uh, roots and uh, on my uh, uh, on my uh, paternal side, and if I look at my grandfather, he was a principal. You know, he started off the Stanger, uh, Stanger Secondary, uh, 1920, built the school and was the uh, first principal and so forth. But uh, his uh, family, you know, his uh, his father was a uh, uh, astute businessman, and, and then I noticed that the road in in Isipingo, we have one Khan's Road and also Khan's Lane. And today it has uh, industrial properties on it and it has, uh, you know, flats and so forth. But uh, looking at his father was such a, you know, a shrewd businessman that he bought from, you know, Dick King they talk about. He bought properties uh, from Dick King to develop and all that. Uh, But Alhamdulillah, it's all in uh, the the eldest brothers did something and it went to this person and that person. But it is still in the family and, 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 you know, the the, the roads is named after them. In my on my maternal side, you know, my grandfather had the first abattoir in the south coast and he had this, uh, uh, you know, box factory. He manufactured crates uh, for the Kui bottling company and so forth. And he had the first, uh, you know, hall and this and that. But subsequently, you know, the as a, the the eldest son uh, syndrome comes in. As I, I don't want to talk about the rest, but I looked at my uh, my, my my grandparents on the paternal and um, maternal side. They were uh, businessmen, but made an uh, impression when they were there. They made it happen. You know, the, the, the baraka flowed. Till when they made parza from this dunya, and when their sons got in. And today, you'll be you know you won't believe it. Everything has become a morgue. Have you seen this scenario? Um, you know, uh, I take my hat off to the previous generations. These were gutsy, gutsy people, without a doubt. I heard stories, and you know, we know of Sheikh Ahmadidat. What was it? Eight years old, jumping onto a <laughs> ship from Mumbai, coming to so so Gujarat. I think it was that Baruch port, coming into Durban. Eight years old, without some. Today we, I was sixteen years old, can't even fly on their own. So when these people came back, I heard story of my grandfather when he was 12 years old without any documentation without even a passport he jumps onto the ship as a stowaway and he comes to Durban and then he goes and he makes some inquiries in Stenger and eventually ends up in uh, in, in Blumhoff so 14 years old 15 years old 16 years old he got married 18 years old he opens up his own business by the time he's 20 he could very well have been considered he would have considered himself a millionaire so Absolutely. taking into consideration these people never sat back and waited for the playstations to fall on their heads. These people were people of courage. They were people, by the time they were 20, they were astute businessmen. They may not have went through the schooling system that we went through, but they were much more smarter and they were much more gutsier. You hear the scare stories. Even I was reading a book the other day about the Indians that came into Cape Town and how they struggled Police used to harass them. Police used to chase them. Police used to send them back to India also. And they struggled through all those times. They used to get sent back to India and they would come back on the next ship. And they would run away from the police again. And some of them, 
and and how they you know the, the trials and the tribulations hundred years ago that these people had faced and then slowly slowly they had that market where they used to sell fruit and vegetables every morning four o'clock five o'clock they start stand, standing there and muslim people mostly baruchis the book was about the baruchi indians Baruchi Indians that came with nothing in a matter of one generation, they had a level, their children became qualified doctors, qualified lawyers. They were actually now prominent people in the Cape Town society. People recognized them, people knew they are. That's only one of the stories of how our forefathers were, you know, reached levels that I can't see the future generation ever reaching. We are so weak, we are so impoverished when it comes to guts. We have absolutely no luster, nothing that we can be proud about our youngsters to say, listen, here's a business, your father is giving you a beautiful business. All you have to do is sell cars. He's given you the thing. And three months later, the business is already in financial trouble. Six months later, they're firing staff. One year later, the whole business doesn't exist. Father ran it for 30 years. The son could have run it for one year. Father gave, parents gave their children things on a plate. And I'm generally speaking, you know, this is just a general statement from some, from some of some of the experiences. The youth have no guts. They have no business acumen. They go to universities but are not competent enough to deal with business and you wonder to yourself how is it today that whilst you know so much so many things have been made easy to you today if you want to see the lawyer you don't even have to drive one hour to see him you could have a phone call you could have a skype meeting you could have a consultation a virtual consultation and, and this is the way things have become but unfortunately even that's not enough people the, the youngsters so, so so the reality is we're living in different times our forefathers, we see glimpses of their lifestyle till today, and we wonder what went wrong. How is it today that we have this generation that have absolutely nothing that makes us proud? Lovely, lovely indeed, uh, Mohammed. You know, when you look at the the, the South African uh, property market, and uh, some may ask you the question, uh, Mohammed, is uh, property still a good investment in South Africa? And just the other day, I was reading an article where an estate agent was. Uh, Find 25,000 rands because he refused uh, uh, an African, um, you know, individual, uh, 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 a prospective who wanted to become a tenant. He refused uh, to give him the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the flat or the duplex. And uh, subsequently he had to pay a fine of 25,000 rands uh, for not allowing that. So in, I, I don't know, what was proven there? Was he uh, prejudiced or was he racist or was he this? But uh, today, you know, you, uh, you as a landlord, perhaps you're dicta uh, dictated to, uh, you know, that you can't pick and choose your tenants. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Mohammed? You know, firstly, as Muslims, we should not even consider any form of racism, no matter what the circumstances are. As Muslims, Islam brought equality across the board. <laughs> you know why you're making me laugh, eh? All right, I won't laugh. Okay, go, 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 go ahead. As much as, you know, we, when we go into the masjid, without a doubt, what happened to our prejudices? It went out of the window if we still have prejudices in the masjid, then we need to reconsider who we are as Muslims. Long story short, yes, yes, unfortunately, not only that, a couple of years ago, some estate agent went on social media and started ranting about K-word and this and that. You remember, that was also an embarrassment and insult mm. to the estate agency board. I think you have, need to have one screw loose if you're an estate agent in today's day and age. And unfortunately, it shows and manifests itself in other realms, in other spheres of, of life. So, yes, once again, you know, 
as a South African, we are living in a democratic society. We are living in a society where everybody is equal. So the net result of that is I can't prejudice anybody on the basis of skin color. As Muslims, we should not be doing that. Secondly, as South African citizens, we should not be doing that. So if I have a job opportunity in my business and it, it, it involves that a black person is now going to be sitting next to me and he's going to be learning and I'm going to be teaching him, but he's the most competent person, let it be such that he is the person that is employed. Irrespective, why do we today today in our business, all of my in my business and in your business, if we don't have black people in our businesses, firstly, it's a sign that we're not doing something correct. In our masjid committees today, we don't even have black representation, and that is an insult. In our Islamic organizations, how many of the blacks have reached levels of, you can say, exco members or senior members within Islamic organizations? As imams in masjids, in imams in madrasas and madaris in madrasas, where have how far or how backward are we still so yes without a doubt i think it's good if somebody gets punished because they refuse to let their property out because of x this, this particular reason it it i mean we get that as a as a concern i had i used to get it in the early years that you know i'm so scared auntie will phone me i'm so scared i can't sell my property you know why everybody is living here is indian and they're going to turn around and say that this black person bought my property I said, firstly, is there any difference in the money? Number two is if your property was for sale and if your neighbors had any interest in it, they should have bought this property. Why was it standing for six months with a for sale board? And number three is that person who purchases the property has just as much of a right to be there living in that house. If he pays for that property, it's his home. And Nobody, we're living, we be far removed from the days of apartheid. If we still have the mentality of apartheid, then we're living in the era of Jahiliya 1450 years ago. So, yes, I mean, we had to, obviously, when you're dealing with old ladies, when they pose these questions to you, use hikmat and you use wisdom and you try. And I encourage them. I say, if you're happy with the offer, don't worry, maybe through your living in a Muslim community or an Indian community or a different environment, we are able to use this for our purposes. And if that person embraces Islam through this effort, there is reward for everybody involved in it. And if your intention is such that they, inshallah, one day could see of ours and begin to live in a community. And we live in a very beautiful community. I must be honest with you. You know, the Indians and are living in now multiracial areas, they say we don't listen a year the Azan anymore. My son doesn't know what it is to go to masjid. I Ramzan time we, we feel like in a different environment. There's no Taravi or we have to drive half an hour for we think just break our fast and then we have to push off to the masjid or nobody's passing the savories around the savory platters doesn't come like it used to be in uh, Dandi. And, and and this is exactly the reality of how the how closely knit we are as a community but that doesn't mean that we should use this as an opportunity to ostracize people that come from other backgrounds okay muhammad and also you know when you buy a property you own a property that becomes your home and many people you know due to the uh, unforeseen uh, circumstances and uh, you know many have lost jobs and so forth and uh, you know perhaps you can give uh, people some tips on how to make money from home you know, that's your property, it's your home. Uh, don't let it only be, uh, you know, a place where you sleep and get up and uh, do other things. But uh, maybe you can make some... No, Shafat, out Shafat, of it. Uh, you're giving me 10 minutes.
to now try to explain something that should take us three hours. All so right, don't yeah, blame yeah. me. If yeah. people are starting to lose millions of rands because yeah. I wasn't given ample opportunity to no, expound it, on my particular point. No, no, no. You, you can even, inshallah. I mean, you, you, you hear every fortnight. So uh, what are you complaining no. about? I mean, okay. you're there. Okay. But uh, give us, give us a... Sweet. Yeah. L- let me sweet, give you uh, the, just in the most important aspect of property investing and you know anybody that comes to consult with me this is the advice so this is exactly the point i want to make before you embark on any investment be it stock stock market be it buying and selling cars be it buying and selling houses know and understand your product the market and the environment around which you are you will be trading and how do you do that the best advice i could be is befriend Get to know who your local property agents are, your estate agents. Get to know who your local uh, attorneys or conveyances are. Property that special uh, attorney or professional that, uh, that specializes in properties. Have a consult with him. I generally don't charge, but it doesn't mean that I, everybody should come for free consultation. But nonetheless, if I do have somebody that says, moment, I'd like to sit down with you, I would give him the type of advice that I've learned and forgotten over the last 25 years. We've been in the property market ourselves in the time when it was good. And I say, Alhamdulillah, it was good 25 years ago. We made a lot of money out of properties because why? We knew and understood what is it that we were doing. And we saw some people come in and some people burn their fingers. How, how is it that you can burn your fingers? For example, people don't have budgets. They don't know and understand the nature of what it would mean. How much am I going to still have to invest in this property? You see, a lot of properties just need a little bit of work. Spruce it up. A paint, a new tile, a new paving brick, just clean up the pool. And that's that's a big one. You know, people don't have clean, sparkling pools. Whenever you're selling a property, make sure the pool is working 100%. For example, that's just one of the things, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, I know and understand the nature of buying and selling properties. If I buy a property for a million rand, if I'm going to spend 200,000 rand, my costs are going to be, transfer costs are going to be so much. By the time my holding costs are going to be so much, I'm going to put somebody to as a security there for a few months. It may take me six months to sell this property. Six months do I rent the property out? Do I, do I put security in there? Work out a budget. At the end of the day, if I'm going to make... 100,000 rand, is it worth it to have made, invested 1.2 million rand and to receive 100,000 rand after six months? These are the financial decisions you would make. Sit down with the estate agents. Understand, estate agents generally don't ta- charge for this type of advice. Attorneys, if you prefer an attorney, you could have him on WhatsApp and you could say, listen, I'm having a look at this property. Can I send you a picture? He'll look at the property. He'll say, which street is it? He'll say, bad area, don't consider buying there. Good area, just be careful, the street is around the corner so the drug dealers come there at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. This is the type of advice you're going to get from professionals in the area. They know and understand the nature of property investments. And yes, like I say, till today, there are people that make money on properties. They buy properties cheap because firstly, they are gutsy. Two is they know and understand what is it that they're getting themselves involved into. If you're going to buy Knowing full well what the pitfalls, what the consequences, what the issues are, you can actually fix a price knowing full well that even if I go through these pitfalls, I will still make a decent profit. And like that, as your business develops, as your business grows, you'll begin to understand who your suppliers are, where to buy the best tires, who'll be giving you the... You know, a year ago, my daughter got married. 
I knew the best tiles, the cheapest tiles in the country is a place in Overport. And I drove down because ah. I, that's the reality. <laughs> I drove down, I went there and, you know, I don't want to give them free publicity, but whatever the situation is, and I bought my tiles, I trucked it to Joburg. And it was still the best tiles money could buy for that because it was something that I really wanted to do for this house, particular house, not a house that I was going to stay in, but the house that I was involved in, and 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 so you 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 know you you in the business of properties, a person who's in the business would know that this is my electrician. He can issue me with the COC, no problem. I know his work is good. I won't have a problem with him three months down the line. This is the tiler that I'm going to be using. This is the plumber that I'm going to be using. This is my attorney. He's, he gives me good deals on my on my property. Know and understand the property market. Do your homework, and then from there. There's good opportunities, and it's passive income. Passive income means that you're not working 24 hours a day. You're not sweating 24 hours a day for it. It's running in the background. You have your painters painting in. You go there on a Monday. You check again on a Tuesday. You pop in on a Wednesday, but you're not spending 24 hours a day. In the meantime, after a week, and sometimes we've seen it. Just clean the pool and paint the house. Spend 20,000 rand on that house and you'll fetch another 200,000 rand on your budget price. But falls, knowing and understanding your market. And yes, you know, this is this, the, in, in the truncated time that you allocated to me a few minutes, I'm trying to slot in so many mm. issues. But yes, this is the type of advice I'd give a newbie, somebody that wants to get involved, somebody that wishes to make millions out of these properties. Why not? You know, even if you make 10% on a house, chances are you're going to make 100,000 rand profit on a house, which is decent profit for keep a person going for the next couple of months. No, Muhammad, absolutely brilliant. And as you said, uh, you got your other topic waiting for me. And I said, uh, in a false night, we're going to discuss that with you. You were absolutely, mashallah, uh, the usual, uh, usual very magnanimous. Uh, uh, maybe there's, there's, there's something that uh, uh, niggling me. I'd rather ask you this before we close up. Uh, once again, a friend of mine came to me and he said, you know, Shafa, we have a mutual friend who owns uh, so many properties. And I brought it to his attention uh, that he's got some uh, tenants uh, that are very seedy tenants, uh, maybe, you know, doing uh, uh, under or belong to the underhand deals and so forth. Why are you keeping uh, tenants like that? You know, you're a Muslim first and uh, you uh, you. Uh, you 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 uh, exacerbating the problem in the community by getting the CD characters to live in our property, so in 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 our uh, area. And uh, his answer was, uh, you know what, I have to pay my rates. Uh, is that a good answer, Mohammed? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know what? You've asked me a hundred questions in the past, and I was always eager to answer your question. And um, the moral answer. <laughs> would be, <laughs> as a landlord, be a responsible landlord. Know and understand that you may not be living in that property, but there are children in the area, there are neighbors, there are Muslims, there are community members, there are senior people in the community, elderly people living in the community. By bringing in these tenants, seedy tenants, we don't know what the nature could be. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcoholics, maybe it's just youngsters that party till fudger time every morning, whatever the situation is, I think, you know, um, we have to be very considerate just because we are not living there, just because we have a right to do certain things. I mean, it's not illegal for people to drink alcohol in their homes, but I mean, you know, 
Knowing that these types of riffraff would create other problems in the community and it's something you as a responsible landlord shouldn't uh, be... I mean, at the end of the day, we're Muslims. How many opportunities in the past didn't we have? You know, when we bought buildings, we saw that there was bottle stores or there was bars or there was nightclubs. I bought a building in the early years and I was approached by a, a, a gambling company. They were doing some sort of a betting and they were the, the rental that they were going to offer me just for that building would have been way practically double what I was anticipating. And um, lucky I had a few sane partners and we sat down and we said, you know what, it may be we, that we accept it, but in the long run, it would be something that would definitely uh, pick against our conscience, our moral being. It would be a sin and uh, rather let's do it. And, and uh, whatever the case was, you know, in time to come, Allah brought other tenants. They may not have paid us what we want, but then again, if me and you were selling alcohol, illegally or drugs illegally we would have been multi-millionaires but is that the type of income that we want for ourselves and our families islam has created these restrictions so we won't sell alcohol why should we then allow cd tenants then knowing full well that what they're doing is haram and then again you know you don't want disgruntled neighbors because like they say you know neighbors have so much rights over you that uh, they say that there was even a time that they thought that the neighbors would be part of your inheritance and your estate. Mm. That's how much rights neighbors were granted. So, yes, we must be considerate of our community and our neighbors when we have these considerations. Muhammad, I had your pleasure talking to you. And Alhamdulillah, Allah bless you for sharing so much of uh, valuable information with the Ummah this evening. And by the way, I know you're having late supper this evening. I can hear the ting tang and the, you know, cutlery and all that stuff. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody hey, listen Shavad, i don't need to i don't fast at nights i don't have you fast at nights no no so, tell me now so tell i've us, got hey, i've tell got Uma, what you're charming tonight tell I, us. Well, I, i'm gonna tell you and you're gonna listen i was in durban last week and i and i and i, and I have a regular spot for bunny chow and i came home and i was uh, telling the kids you know what i went again and we had our regular bunny chow and it was too good too good so then uh, the kids said, you know what, uh, I think when we're going to come have supper with you tonight, like tonight, and we're going to have panicho. So my uh, wife is going out of her way to try to duplicate the beautiful panicho we had, and she's a great cook. So yes, I have to, uh, I have to admit that we're going to we're going to have a panicho tonight. So you jealous because you're from Devon and you appreciate the pani better than the Transvaal guys. No, I crush a bunny quite often, and uh, I do make a, a decent bunny, you know, broad bean, the, the beef bunny or the chicken bunny. And uh, next time you come, I, you know, I'll take you to a friend of mine who makes the most awesome bunny. I mean, now you spoke about, uh, I know who you talk about, even I know him very well, but there's another guy that uh, used to work on the ships and cook on the ships, and he's got his own uh, restaurant now. Inshallah, we'll make a plan, Muhammad. You are absolutely, as I said, uh, great to have you, my beloved brother. You have a lovely, uh, perhaps your parting words uh, before I let you go. Gee, once again, Shafat, this shouldn't be the last topic. Inshallah, Allah give us the strength and the life. We can continue. There's much more pearls of wisdom that I have to offer that the young young generation especially can benefit from. When I talk, I talk mostly from personal experiences. So it's a good insight as to some of the pitfalls, some of the uh, achievements that a person, you know, could could come through in, in this line of business. So Jazakallah once again to yourself and your esteemed radio station for having a simple guy like myself on your show. And Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Walikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to attorney Hafez Muhammad Kubania, really brilliant indeed. Uh, time for us to go for the Isha Zan and inshallah we will continue after that.